What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana here with Tony. As always, it is no secret that the fitness industry sucks, period. Whether it's the corrupt multi-billion dollar supplement and weight loss industry or the endless supply of influencers promoting anything to drive page views. The bottom line is we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry for the better. By providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible training and nutrition into your own life. Today, we will be discussing organic versus conventional foods and farming practices, specifically what organic farming is, the difference between organic and conventional farming, whether or not organic foods are actually healthier, organic farming sustainability measures, and a lot more, to be honest. <laughs> I'm Just excited. a couple of farmers today. <laughs> and before we get into it, we're actually really excited because we are celebrating a thousand five-star reviews on Spotify. I wish I knew we did it. who was the 1,000th person. Thank you if you're listening. And we really, <laughs> really, really appreciate those reviews. If you haven't done it yet, go ahead, whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on, go ahead and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. It allows us to reach even more people and continue what we're doing. And Easiest way to support us if you are looking for a way. I know I saw that and I got so freaking pumped because I've sounded like a broken record with every intro for like the last month saying how close we are. <laughs> and each week it's like, we're so close, but <laughs> we finally freaking did it. So thank that one person individual in every thousand people before that. Now, before we jump into the episode, put on our farm and boots, quick little shout out. I think we mentioned this last week in particular, but super exciting news, especially for premium members. One, the premium y'all know is on sale half off for your first month. So it's only five bucks for your first month through the new year for our new year's deal. But aside from that, with our recent partnership with Merrick Health, the blood and lab work company, we actually got to sit down with them, Mariana and I, and create our own custom, more affordable blood panel, especially for those without insurance. It's around a hundred bucks, but they also offer more comprehensive panels, which we always recommend up front. So if you're a premium member, you get 10% off those blood panels. So even if you're like, screw the fitness stuff research review, the essentially second big episode that we come out with on Fridays for premium subscribers, diving deeper into research, if you want your blood work done, which we always recommend as a regular part in your lifestyle in some way or another, it's five bucks to sign up for the premium. You'll save anywhere from 10 to almost 80, 90 bucks on that Merrick blood panel. So it's even worth it if you're like, screw all the extras that we get in that premium. <laughs> Aside from that, quick shout out to our sponsor of today's episode, Legion Athletics. Big ethics, a combination for us. We both know it. The supplement industry, the fitness industry is broken. This is one supplement industry that is trying to fix it. Aside from having bomb supplements, I'm drinking the creatine right now and just slammed a protein shake in between filming schedules to keep me high on protein without having to slam down some food. They are a big sponsor of this podcast. They have been for a very long time and we're working very closely with them. And we just know how much effort and safety they pour into every single one of their products. You definitely don't need supplements to succeed, but the right ones can certainly help. Each one of theirs getting vetted by a team of MDs, PhDs, and other professionals. We could not recommend or use them enough. You get 20% off your first order or double points using code FSPOD or FSPOD 
at checkout if you missed their Black Friday sale, but I think they got crazy sales going on through the new year. So mm -hmm. go check them out. The link down below is in our bio. Now strap up, get your pickup truck, your Stop. cowboy hat. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I'm not, I didn't grow up in a farm, farmland, so I'm trying to get on there. What else do farmers do? There aren't only farms in the South. We're going to get a lot of hate DMs on this from a lot of farmers who listen to this podcast. No, I went no, to school in Vermont and there's so many farmers. Yeah, there's farmars in Colorado. There's a lot where I grew up in the Midwest. I know there's a lot of farming. There's probably different like areas of the U.S., especially for where farmings are like hotspots for livestock versus yeah. food, like fruits and vegetables, stuff like that. So we all got our cowboy boots on today because we are talking about one that I we got really excited about this when we were going through our December outlines. Yes. And you brought it up, organic versus inorganic or non-organic foods, because it's yeah. one of those topics, again, that people will die on that hill, that organic is better for them, that you need yeah. to buy organic. It's the only thing you should be eating without solid reasoning why. And that's not yeah. saying that organic is good or bad, but today Mariana put together a really great presentation. We're going to be students to learn exactly what organic farming is and means and how we can translate that to our life. And I just want to make a huge disclaimer beforehand. This is not going into how this affects the farmer's health because there are a lot of conditions that farmers work under where they are exposed to heavy, heavy chemical exposure, both organic and conventional chemicals. And those safety standards, again, that's not what this is discussing, but it is definitely an issue and something that isn't talked about, but it's also something that can be misconstrued in a lot of studies looking at farmers' exposure to chemicals is translated to the general public, which is a level that the general public would never see. So there can also be a lot of misconception there, but I just wanted to make sure I recognize that and okay. say that if you are a farmer, have family in it, like I do understand that that can be a big issue. So that's just not the top, the main topic of discussion here. So today is more focused on the consumer. Correct. The consumer. Yep. Yep. Okay. And one thing you did point out though, real quick, I want to pick on, you were even highlighting not just non-organic farmers, but organic and non-organic farmers yes. who are yes. exposed to those higher levels. Okay. I think yes. that's going to be a recurring theme that mm. we go through today, yeah. right? yes. but break it down for us real quick. What is organic farming? Before we dive into it, let's get it with some communi communication. What is organic yeah. farming? So breaking it down into crops, there are crops that are produced on farms that have not used most synthetic pesticides, herbicides, or fertilizer for three years before harvesting the food. Now, that is really important to pick apart the words used most, as in like most of the time, and synthetic. So that specifies the type of pesticides and herbicides. Also, they have been free from any genetic engineering, ionizing radiation, and sewage sludge. The ionizing radiation is funny to me because it's not something you see most often, but it's nice to specify it. And then for meat labeled as organic, regulations require that animals are fed full organic feed, not given antibiotics or hormones, and are raised in a way that allows for their natural behaviors. Be vague, and I'll touch on that a little bit more as well. And then I also just wanted to also say that will come up in terms of just your natural questions. We are going to do a separate episode on GMOs because that debate is a whole nother rabbit hole. Uh, you have to be free from genetic engineering to be classified as organic. That's the first question that pops up in my mind is like, is 
organic farming, specifically talking about GMOs, but it's not specifically, but it is included. Yeah. Yeah. In organic farming. The definitions though are important. Like you said, synthetic. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the wording here gives a lot of flexibility to organic farmers in a sense. And I know I've read more about this, like when it comes to, especially when it comes to like poultry or chicken farming, the definitions for what classifies them to have natural behaviors isn't necessarily like we, I feel like a lot of times people think organic, it's like, oh, it's this massive field where the cows, they just have all this room to have fun and play. And the opposite is only factory farming. And that's it. It's on the other two end of the spectrum, but I feel like the wording gives a lot of lenience how they apply it. Is that, do you see that a lot? Oh yeah. And there's so much gray area, especially larger scale farms can get approval for whether it's a chemical that is synthetic, can get approval by the USDA to use it and can go around that. So there's a lot of exceptions that aren't spoken about. So the vagueness of the definition is with good reason. And that's why I think we start most episodes or we try to with definitions. Mm -hmm. Words are important, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Words matter a lot. And that's the important point that I know I've I haven't dug to the depths that you have on organic versus inorganic, but I like to highlight things that a lot of people might not see. Because I think initially a few years ago, when I just heard the word organic, I thought it usually meant one thing. And as you and I were pulling up before this, there are four different labels, uh, which classifies different types of organic or how organic essentially a food is. Because if I say a food is organic, that doesn't necessarily mean just one thing. There's 100% organic on the label versus just organic on the label versus made with organic ingredients versus specific organic ingredients listed. Like those are four completely different things. Those aren't just all quote unquote organic foods. And I think it's important to highlight, I know hundred percent organic is essentially in the title used to label any product that contains 100% organic ingredients, excluding salt and water, which are considered natural. The difference between hundred percent organic and just organic Organic is any product that contains a minimum of 95% organic ingredients. By the USDA, this is what it's defined. Now, when it gets a little bit more choppy, is the labeling with made with organic ingredients and specific organic ingredients listed, where a product listed with the made with organic ingredients, that only needs at least 70% organically produced ingredients, meaning they could list made with organic ingredients but that does not mean the food you are consuming is organic or 100% organic. You could still be consuming a lot of the things that we're going to talk about go with non-organic foods. Mm-hmm. Same thing with specific ingredients listed. For example, something could say ingredients are water, barley, beans, organic tomatoes, salt, where they only list the specific one, but they could still list and say specific organic ingredients listed. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. automatically mean your whole product is that way. Yeah. And that is like where, what the definition I put in the beginning is for crops and then for also cattle. And it's pretty similar across the board for farmers, but where we started to run into all these issues is with, okay, we're not just talking about an organic apple versus an organic, versus a conventional apple. Sorry. We're talking about processed foods that have multiple ingredients So what do we do now? How do we regulate that? Mm -hmm. And how do we keep a lot of companies from not just slapping this label on and not being 100% organic, but still being able to mislead consumers by saying that they're made with organic ingredients and we can still make money? Like, oh, it blows my mind. 
it should be frustrating for consumers, but for some reason, there's just this huge, huge push for organic. And just a little bit of background on the organic food market. The U.S. organic food market grew from less than $8 billion in sales in 2000 to over $50 billion in 2021. Now, that is not a small increase. No. <laughs> that is not a small jump. No, no. And let me tell you, this is not because organic cured diseases and made everyone healthier. But let me just tell you that. What? The goal initially of organic farming was, uh, you would think, I used to assume that it's mainly for the safety of farmers and mm. for the sustainability aspect. But we'll get into that a little bit more. But it really was to largely fortify trust between farmers and every single mm. other person in this food supply chain, also fortify trust with their consumers. And then again, there was the component of, okay, this can be better potentially for farmers. This can be potentially better for the land. Let's see where this takes us. Dan Glickman, okay. the, Clinton, the Clinton administration's secretary of agriculture who oversaw organics designation. This is a quote from him. He said, it is not a statement about food safety, nor is organic a value judgment about nutrition or quality. And that is something, again, he was the se Clinton administration's secretary of agriculture, oversaw the sole development that. of, yes. And- that is something that if you take away anything, I hope it's I hope it's that quote. And through very clever and often misleading marketing, this sort of health halo effect has developed surrounding organic food. This idea that organic food is healthier, is better for you. Conventional food is not good for you. It is causing harm. And that is something that Really, I can't largely stems believe from marketing. He said, "That's insane." I feel like no one's heard. I've never heard of that, and I feel like I'm more involved yeah. in this industry than the average consumer. But if yeah. the Secretary of Agriculture who oversaw organics designation is saying, "Hey, this is not about safety, food safety," or is it a value judgment about nutrition or quality of food? I feel like if you ask someone what's the real differences between organic versus non-organic, they would probably say it's safer has more nutrition or higher quality. I think people would all kind of group those there. And this is even the person who is in charge of the designation is saying like, nah, like <laughs> that's not what it is. That's not what it is. So the halo effect is like a cognitive bias you mentioned. What, so what is the halo effect and how does that translate here? Yeah. So the halo effect refers to the tendency to allow one specific trait or our overall impression of a person, a company, a product to positively influence our judgment of their other related traits or of that said product. So mm. putting into example, the health halo effect refers to the act of overestimating the healthfulness of an item based off of a single claim, such as being low mm. in calories, low in fat, organic, natural, etc. So the health halo effect happens so much and it is used so much in marketing to mislead consumers because you slap on that label organic. Automatically think that's better for me. Yes. Yes. People start to believe that this food is safer, healthier, and better for the environment than conventional food. And 
that's one reason why so many many people are willing to pay the much higher prices for organic food. Yeah, because that's what the numbers that I was running. I mean, we're big on this podcast, but I was especially diving deeper into this part, like the practicality of it anyways. And we're going to dive deeper into the claims of what if in like a perfect world, organic foods were much more nutrient dense, did have far less damaging health pesticides. Organic foods were so much better for you just based on a price comparison. Like how realistic is it actually to eat organic? And this is what just blew my mind. Now, this is on average in the United States, but a family of four on average runs about $932 for groceries in a month. That's a family of four. That seemed low to me, but again, everyone's different. I'm in a higher income state, which is a little bit more pricey in California. So I personally spend, like we were saying, like one to $200 per week on my myself. And you're yeah. probably somewhere in there as well. But even just for that family of four, Consumer Reports found that when you compare the top 100 grocery items, on average, the organic versions of the food are about 47% more expensive than the non-organic counterpart. So like just based on numbers, that increases the family of four's price ticket from $932 a month to almost $1,400 per month. And if you spread that through the entire year, that's over $5,000 more per year on simply the same groceries, just buying organic versus non-organic. Even if we learn today, which I don't think is gonna be the case, that organic is just on another level for your health. If it'll make you shredded, live longer, if it's amazing, that's still $5,000 extra a year for a family of four. For someone like you or me, probably looking at paying a good two, three, four thousand $4,000 extra a year with how much we spend on groceries. This is not like a little like, oh, you'll pay an extra 20 cents. I'm over here laughing because I don't know why I didn't think about this before, but you get a lot of the people, especially on social media, who really, really push organic and really the big corporations are trying to kill you with their pesticides, all of that. Who do you think developed organic, the organic label? What do you mean? Is the it the USDA? same corporations? It's these large corporations that came up with organic. Again, yes, it was meant to be for the farmers. And I wish that they were still prioritized in these organic practices. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And so what are you saying that you, in some cases, you think that these big organizations, the FDA, USDA, like institutions, just want to make money and kill you. They're killing America. And mm. then when it comes to this, yeah, they're still killing the you, but hand. at this time, it's just weird. It looks like just a flaw in logic. Yeah, people, are, they'll assume, again, it's the halo effect, right? The organic, yeah. it's like, oh, all the other qualities are better because of this one thing. And I was yeah. even thinking when you were talking about halo, I'm like, that goes so far in health. Like, for example, I know we've talked about this before on the show, the difference between like a protein bar or protein cookie, when you look at the overall nutritional value compared to like a candy bar, oh my a gosh. lot of the times aren't that different, right? Like those protein cookies, quote unquote, the Lenny and Larry, which I loved for so long because they taste bomb. Ooh, I'm getting a, not a lot of protein. They're almost identical to Oreos when you compare yeah. them nutritionally, which it's again, the halo effect. Oh, it's labeled as a protein and vegan bar. This must be good for me. It's like, yeah. I'd rather crush six to seven Oreos than a freaking dry nuggety. <laughs> so if you stay to the end, because I do compare Again, it's not that drastic in terms of the labels. I tried to keep them pretty similar, but like I compared a, a crunchy Chips Ahoy cookie to a, a Whole Foods organic chocolate chip cookie. And I think Whole Foods also has that 
overall health halo effect of oh it's whole foods. oh anything from whole foods yeah the pizza especially (laughs) i did just want to put out a quick little this 2018 poll actually found that 45 percent of u.s adults surveyed and then 54 percent of those aged 18 to 29 believe that organic fruits and vegetables are healthier than conventionally grown produce so people think that if you ask deeper as to why there's Mm -hmm. not too much why behind it it's just generally understood as this is true but that really the reality is that's a false statement so we got to dive deeper into why that is and there's no nuance there either i'm sure certain foods might have overall more health or like more health properties and others might not but it's no nuance in that which is frustrating because i think the reason that people believe this is because it's echoed so much in media in blogs, in the news, in things like that. It's just echoed everywhere that organic is just good. We don't question it. I feel like it's echoed everywhere we look. It's not like people are just making this up in their own heads. This is echoed everywhere we look. So mm-hmm. what's the difference? Okay, so now that we talked about the farming, like the farming practices, the labeling, the differences, what are the specific differences between organic versus conventional or non-organic foods? So there is this general impression that organic food is grown without chemicals. Wrong. No, that's not at all true. All farmers, both organic and conventional, use both chemical and non-chemical containment methods. So organic regulations were designed to promote the use of natural chemicals over synthetic ones, both chemicals, natural versus synthetic. Can we pause there? I feel like that's the biggest argument I hear when people say that why you should eat organic. Is yes. all the chemicals you're getting. Yep. To avoid all the chemicals. Are you serious? You eat that non-organic? It's so full of chemicals. We got to pause before we run into that because I know that so many people, I don't want to brush past that. Yeah. They both use chemicals. They're both grown with chemicals. Yes. I don't want to just brush past that. Both so- grown with chemicals, just different chemicals. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Yep. Yeah. And over 100 fertilizers and inputs, whether that's pesticides, insecticides, fungicides, are authorized by organic farming regulations in both the U.S. and in Europe. Okay, so those things that you're so afraid of, those pesticides, nope, those are also used in organic farming practices. Organic farmers have also gotten approval from the USDA to use dozens of synthetic chemicals. So again, going back to what Tony was just talking about, the biggest difference is that organic farming uses these natural or non-synthetic chemicals while conventional uses the synthetic ones. So that's no not true plot either. twist. You can still use specific synthetic chemicals in organic farming. There's always a loophole here. Going back to that definition, why it was pretty vague. You can override certain of these certain regulations when it comes to organic farming practices with specific crops, pesticides, insecticides, and also permitted, like I said, are the non-synthetic pesticides. However, these non-synthetic pesticides are less effective than synthetic pesticides at controlling pests. Therefore, they're used in much, much higher quantities. And that's not just controlling pests. It's keeping them alive, helping with weather control. So they use a lot more of them on organic crops. I was just about to ask you that question. And this is silly, but if you get organic, this is what my brain went to. 
organic kitchen cleaner from Whole Foods versus Windex bleach or something like that, I always see myself needing like two, three, four times more to clean just the simplest stuff. I just, I throw it away because I'm like, this is so stupid. I'm like, I don't care if I get yeah. a disease. But that's the point of it too, is they're one, they're not using non-synthetic pesticides. They're using synthetic pesticides. They're using all this, just specific ones. And they're using much, much, much more of them because they aren't as effective. Yep. But just because they're like they're under this umbrella, they're safe, they're protected, they could throw on as much as they want. Everything else aside, sustainability aside, whatever you think about GMOs aside, this is a scam. This is quite <laughs> literally, you can't not look at that and think, well, I feel bamboozled. If you are the type of person, like so many others, I used to think this as, at one point, that organic meant zero chemicals, zero pesticides. 100% that used to be me too. And- you know what? I could say that does make sense. They're not using any of these chemicals. I understand why they're so expensive. Mm, no, this is a foolproof way to mark up these products. And I mean, there is some, there's definitely some leeway when you're thinking about out of season, right? It's out of season. For example, I live in New England, the middle of the winter in New England, and you're thinking about buying some strawberries. And the strawberries are huge. They're extremely red. They're juicy. You can have in mind that maybe this isn't the best time of year to have these strawberries because maybe they needed to use a lot more whatever to grow them. One, I'm not that person. I'll still eat them because yeah, I have strawberry. no Give me a problem. Strawberry. I haven't had any effects from it. And most people won't because they're used within safe standards, which I will talk about more later. But still, those could be times where you as a human being can make those conscious decisions. Do you know what? Maybe I'm just going to eat in season, save my money, eat in season, eat conventional in season. It doesn't mean that this isn't like that you could just ignore it all completely. But at the same time, like this whole organic label is one of the biggest excuses that companies can use to mark up their products. That so. kind of shook me because I've learned more and more about this over time, but I didn't even know that to a point where I thought organic just meant they just didn't use any pesticides, any chemicals, anything. I thought they just grew it like it was supposed to be grown. And then as I go on, you learn that's impossible for mass agriculture to farm that much in those large of crops without using certain ones. I didn't even know that yeah. they could use a long list of pesticides, synthetic and non-synthetic chemicals. It was just under kind of labeling. That's what always blows my mind is the numbers that you gave me at the beginning on how much the organic area has grown from 8 billion to over 50 billion just since the turn of the century. It seems like this is almost where like the good marketing teams come in for supplement. It's like where they see a lot of leeway to take advantage of certain aspects to make money they flood into it. That's what it almost seems here with how sharp of a rise we saw in this organic kind of trend. Yep. That it's like, and oh, let's flood in here because you can charge, like we said, like 47% more yeah. on average. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And if that, if this whole idea, I want you guys to think about this for a second. If this whole idea that organic foods were so much healthier for you and we were seeing that sharp of a rise in the money from that industry, mm -hmm. you should also be, in that, be seeing that sharp of a rise in the health of organic, pro like organic product consumers. Cause again, not everyone yeah. is going to be purchasing organic foods and that's not the case. And most of these organic foods are marketed to already health conscious individuals. Again, Tony was talking about your average family barely having enough money to, to just put food on the table as it is for a family of four. That's not the target audience of 
organic <laughs> foods. And products. I even think another limitation would be just the variety of organic products available. We've talked about food deserts in this country. We've talked about how challenging just even getting access to food that would be advantageous to your health, not just organic versus inorganic. But even when it comes to that, it's like if you don't have a local Whole Foods to get a wide variety of products, like your local grocery store, odds are they're not going to have every product you could get non-organic in an organic form. No yeah. freaking way. If you just go to a Ralph's, a Publix, a, a Kroger, they're not going to have that. So unless you have a farmer's market close by or a Whole Foods, this thought is almost not a pipe dream, but it's a lot further away than I think people realize. Oh my God. Yeah. For I think of an example, like I buy all of my groceries for the most part online and you have the option to put in a little substitution if that item is out. So with all of my produce, especially my produce, if there's a substitution and the closest one is an organic substitution, absolutely not. Don't substitute it for me. If you are taking an apple that is 99 cents a pound and the substitution is the organic version, which is 2.99 pound, absolutely not. Nope. These prices are too damn high. <laughs> it's insane. And a lot of people just don't question it because, you know, they're doing the best thing for their health. And no, don't feel bad if you're not buying organic. Sorry. I think diving into a little bit to stem off of this, a lot of people will ask, but aren't organic foods just safer mm -hmm. to eat? Yeah, you say that it is a non-synthetic versus synthetic. The non-synthetic version must be safer. So organic foods, when it comes down to safety, not really. Yeah. It, it, they're not really safer to eat the non-organic foods. You're not going to have any measurable effect on safety. So all pesticides, again, this is the big one that people will bring up. All pesticides, synthetic or not, must meet identical safety standards. So people don't think about all these organizations involved in regulating food safety. It's not the USDA going around designing what is safe and what is not. When used appropriately, these approved chemicals, synthetic or natural, do not pose any meaningful health risks. An example of this, food scientists at the University of California, Davis, concluded the marginal benefits of reducing human exposure to pesticides in the diet through increased consumption of organic produce appear to be insignificant. So there is so much safety regulatory testing to identify the limit at which the using these in farming in your foods is safe for human consumption. So that's interesting. Just, yeah. Because it has me thinking a little bit more of the it's an argument that you see a lot from a lot of these people is one. Yeah. So what you're saying too, is like the, they're held to the same standards. You got to jump through the same hoops if it's used on organic versus inorganic, the different ones. Another one that I see this so common of, and people will always like stem to it. They'll pick up another argument and say, well, they're held to the same, but these are safer. These are better. They're, you're putting less of X, Y, Z in your body, but the same thing with people who really hate on tap water and is tap water purity completely optimal in the United States? No. There's always room to improve. There's levels of small things based on your zip code and your water supply that you will find in your tap water. But overall, one, you're part of two thirds of the world that has access to clean water on tap. And two, just because there is something small in there does not mean it automatically translates to a negative outcome on your health. Like yeah. your body is really good at taking care of these small, small pieces. Is that kind of the same thing here? Like your body, how it filters through water. 
and process anything negative that could be in tap water. Doesn't translate to your health. Same thing here where it's like, there's no meaningful or measurable effect on your health with the use of these different pesticides or the use of these different chemicals. Yeah. You know what? Let me actually to answer that. I think that this will answer your question because it's not so much how our body processes it, processes how our body processes it, but it is just the quantity for us, our body to even notice that yeah. this is something that we need to process. So the World Health Organization have established a joint FAO slash World Health Organization meeting on pesticide residues, which establishes safe intake levels of individual pesticide inputs where acceptable daily intakes are set at levels for which exposure would have no carcinogenic or negative health effects on human health. So governments and food governing bodies use acceptable intake levels to establish the maximum residue limits. So this is for organic not and conventional. And these maximum residue limits are the mm -hmm. point at which the pesticides could exhibit a negative effect on your health. And the each food has these maximum residue yeah. limits. They all have to have them. And the study published in the Journal of Toxicology investigated the 10 most frequently identified pesticide residues across 12 commodity crops. Okay. So all pesticide exposure estimates were found to be so far below the defined chronic reference dose, which would mm -hmm. be the point at which it starts to pose a threat to your, to human health. Yeah. One single product has a, had a residue level greater than 1% of this reference dose, while 75... 1%? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I, that yeah, just tiny. blurred it out of me. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And then 75% of the commodities measured were below 0.01% of the reference dose. So people are arguing about literally nothing. Oh my God. Okay. I knew it was like... I didn't know it was that small though. Yeah. So this means oh, that residue levels... Gosh. Were one million times <laughs> residue levels were one million times lower than the threshold for which there are negative health effects. And uh, like so we are measuring even, these. Yeah. So it's and just to set that straight for people, it's not just lower; it's that much lower. The one percent, the point less than one percent, lower than when it would even potentially start to become a danger. Yeah. Yep. That blows my mind because I know that's the next valid argument for these people are less is better. But we've talked about this on the clean eating episode on everything else. The danger is always in the dose. Uh, yes. Even the most deadly poison known to mankind is only deadly at a specific dose. Yeah. And even here, it's not like we're just saying like, oh, they're skating by like one just totally wrong measurements here. But 100 milligrams proposes a potential health negative health outcome. And we're skating in at like 95 milligrams. We're talking at like less than one. Almost yeah. nothing is found in there. And mm -hmm. this is really the differences we're finding. Wow. And this is monitored so tightly and so closely. Like researchers, food scientists, like dedicate their lives to doing this. This is a whole, whole field. Okay. And it is, it can be so frustrating to just assume that pesticides only means that you are, they cause cancer. They mess up your health as a whole. Your country's trying to kill you because they use them. And it just, yeah, they're pesticides on paper, not good. 
it's almost like the opposite of the halo effect. It's like a little devil horn effect where it's like it's, the, just the word pesticide automatically means everything about it is bad negative. Wait. Is that, does that make sense? Tony, there is the opposite of the halo effect is the horn effect. I'm cracking up. That's literally Wait, what Wait, shut it's up. Called. Is it actually? Yeah. Yeah. That's not as cute as the little devil horn, but I can't believe that. It's the horn yeah, effect. Yeah, it's the cognitive process in which we immediately ascribe negative attitudes or behaviors to someone or something based on one aspect of their appearance or of the product as a whole. So like it could be applied to people, it could be applied to companies, products. I can't believe that I just nailed that. You're blowing my mind with stats and then that. I'm just getting too excitable. I'm probably like blowing people's eardrums out when I gasp yeah. into the microphone. Because one, that's insane. Two, totally nailed that. Put me in a good mood. But seriously, it's like the same thing. You hear something like that one negative piece and you automatically assume everything about it is negative. Yeah. Uh, same thing goes to sugar. Like when people hear the word sugar, people assume bad, not mm -hmm. good for health under any circumstance. It's like pump the brakes. That's yeah. so interesting because I knew it had been lower. I did not know it was to that massive of a level, less it's, than 1% in most, like in all cases, less than 1% of what so, would potentially be considered dangerous. It's so low. I remember I think like over a year ago, I actually filmed a TikTok on the Dirty Dozen, which is a list of the most sprayed foods that you should never eat con the mm. conventional version of and it's basically documenting the stats on the levels of pesticides that are actually even found in these foods and just basically the scam that this is and people it's just people will reach so far beyond my point it's all they want to say is that i am working for monsanto or dow or the government and i'm their pawn i'm like yep caught me how'd you know <laughs> this seems like a really easy piece of the industry to lie with statistics like it's really easy to lie with statistics, but that's how they grab like the dirty dozen, for example, I bet mm -hmm. relatively those 12 foods had a much higher level of these pesticides on them. So when you just announce that to the public, that doesn't look good for those 12 foods. You're like, what, mm -hmm. what, they have this much more pesticide, but in the grand scheme of things, when you see, oh, those are still one per less than 1% of what would be considered dangerous. Oh, people, no, Tony, I'm going to interrupt you. Piece. I'm oh, going to interrupt you. Actually, the dirty doesn't measure organic pesticides. Nope. They only okay. measure the conventional foods. They don't include any anymore. data on organic. Just, so that's cool. <laughs> oh, okay. We okay. got to move on because my, my blood Picking pressure's up. My Reel heart rate's in. up. Okay. <laughs> Reel it in. Going back to the nutrition component, is there any difference in quality and nutritional value? I wanted to bring in a few examples. Friendly reminder, many processed foods or, are organic products, such as cookies, Pop-Tarts, potato chips, and so many mac and cheese. Annie's notorious for it. There's Annie's mm -hmm. organic mac and cheese. But I wanted to bring in examples example of Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies versus our lovely Whole Foods brand organic chocolate chip cookies. And I did try to find a pretty similar product and didn't have too many labels mm -hmm. on it, but an example of this health halo idea. And I know a lot of people more often the debate is from the produce perspective, but I did just want to bring this in because you so often we'll see people just, it's organic. They're organic, so they're better for you. Yeah. Okay. Looking at a Chips Ahoy cookie, the serving size of 33 grams is 160 calories per serving. Total fat is 8 grams, saturated fat 2.5 grams, carbs 22 grams, 
Total sugars, 11 grams. This includes added sugars, 11 grams, and protein, 1 gram. Now we go over to our lovely Whole Foods. This was, I think, twice the price as well and had smaller servings per container. (laughs) But the Whole Foods, the serving size was a little bit less, 28 grams, but pretty similar, and 150 calories per serving. Pretty much identical. Fat. Both had 8 grams of fat. However, the Whole Foods has four grams of saturated fat, and the Chips Ahoy has two and a half grams. Mm. Yes. Carbs, pretty similar. 15 grams for the Whole Foods cookie, 22 grams for the Chips Ahoy cookie. But again, it's slightly larger serving size. Total sugars for Whole Foods was nine grams. Added sugars were nine grams as well. And then the Chips Ahoy, 11 grams. So like the main difference, calories are pretty much identical, just maybe slightly more fat in the organic, slightly less carbs in the organic, but same amount of calories. Yeah. Same amount of protein. Cookie, you're not looking to for protein. You know protein. what? I think we we missed the bullet. We should have done a taste test live on the I podcast. Know. I'm bummed that we didn't do a taste test live about these cookies. <laughs> That's the one thing missing. Okay. So uh, virtually identical. Yeah. Virtually Just identical. Not the real deal. Cheaper version. And it's a cookie, right? You're not looking to a cookie. Like you want to satisfy that craving for a cookie. It doesn't have to be an organic cookie. It's not going to change any aspect of your health. When it comes to unprocessed foods, so if you're looking at like apple, banana, berries, legumes, organic foods, they're not healthier in terms of ingredients and sorry, in terms of nutrients. Okay. I was going to ask that. Are they more nutrient dense? No. No, you're still getting the same benefits in conventionally grown foods as you are organic foods. They're similar in vitamins, minerals, carbohydrates, if they have protein, most produce are not protein Mm. foods, but the nutritional value does not change. Again, if you can do anything for your health, it's to increase your fruit and vegetable consumption. And let's decrease our barriers to doing that by not adding in, should it be organic or not? Because then (laughs) you just double tripling your price tag there. So that's frustrating in and of itself that it further makes people think that they can't access better food for their health when maybe they do have the money to buy regular fruits and vegetables, which are still expensive today anyway. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, even if you're just getting conventionally grown, it's not like that's cheap by any means. Yeah. Yeah. And a tip is to try and eat in season. That's just for anything to thinking about like what's the most fresh. There's also people freak out about like organic versus non-organic milk and like the hormones and what you're adding to it. And organic milk has the same protein, mineral, lipid, and vitamin content as normal milk. Non-organic milk typically has growth hormones which are specific to each species. This can be also applied to when you're talking about meat as well, growth hormones Mm -hmm. there. For example, drinking milk that has bovine growth hormone is degraded by human stomach acid. Okay? Listen to that again. It's degraded by human stomach acid. It has no physiological impact on humans. So So yeah, it's in there, but it... Drinking yeah. both back to back and what gets digested is the exact same thing. What actually yeah. makes it to the intestine, like the digestional process, same thing. Yeah. It's for meat. Like if you're eating a cow that's been taking gro- growth hormone for the cow. Growth hormone for the cow. Again, that can sound a little bit scary, like growth hormone. It does sound scary. Yeah. Like yeah. to just someone listening, it's like that doesn't sound great to start yeah. off with. But 
it doesn't get broken down or it it does get broken down. Yeah. And again, if you're having this at super, super high levels and a lot of studies that are done in Petri dishes on rodents will get so taken out of proportion because Mm. they're just pumping these lab rats with growth hormone and killing them essentially at levels we would never even closely see from eating yeah. Meat from uh, Yeah, we see that so milk. common. I feel like we almost bring that up every episode, but it's no different here is what it seems. Yeah. Yeah. And again, the dose makes the poison. Like if you're having processed meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day, yeah, you're going to see some negative health effects to that. But odds are most often than not, it's probably not going to be related to the growth hormone. <laughs> but Jeez. Yeah, oh, I, I was going to say, oh, you can't talk about cookies without milk. Okay. So <laughs> that's interesting because I didn't know that the growth hormones get degraded by just stomach acid. That's so interesting. Yeah. When it just comes to n- nutrients, organic versus, th- th- you're saying there's really no statistically significant difference, a, a difference yeah. that matters. If you're trying to make a investment in your health and you're really trying to improve your diet, focus on your nutrition a little bit, focus on maybe if you're eating a lot of processed foods. I feel like a broken record with this. If you are having a lot of processed foods, okay, maybe we replace some of those with some more whole foods, some fruits, some yeah. vegetables. I don't care whether or not it's organic. That's not going to make the difference. If you're trying to switch your cookies from conventional to organic, you're not going to be doing anything. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. And then when you think of, so the nutritional quality or organic foods, like I'm not just pulling this out of thin air. Like this has been studied time and time again, even just in relation to your overall health. There's actually a systematic review published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition one of the most comprehensive meta-analyses to date of existing studies comparing organic and conventional foods. And they didn't find strong evidence that organic foods are more nutritious or carry fewer health risks than conventional alternatives. Though consumption of organic foods can reduce the risk of pesticide exposure, now that is the conclusion in their conclusion section. However, when they are analyzing their results, this is pesticide exposure to farmers. So mm, that okay. right there is so bothersome to me that that wasn't specified in their conclusion. That is very misleading. And then for very the misleading. general public, while researchers found organic produce had 30% lower risk of pesticide contamination than conventional fruits and vegetables, organic foods are not 100% pesticide free. So this is... It doesn't mean that they're not using them. And then also there were a lot of nuances here in terms of whether they were looking at fruits and veggies that were in or out of season, whether they were comparing consumption, like how it affected the farmer versus how it affected the consumer. So that statistic right there already has its flaws. But when it comes down to overall health effects for the general public, that was the biggest takeaway is that there is no difference in terms of how it affects your health. <laughs> and that stat brought back to your last point. It's like 30%, again, lying with statistics, 30% seems like a big number. Organic yeah. produce has 30% lower risk of pesticides, but we just talked, we're arguing over pebbles here. The smallest number. The, the pesticides being less than 1% of what it would take to actually be damaging. That's saying we have 1% versus 0.7%. It's the same thing if you look at it from like a bird's eye view. There's no real, 30% sounds big, but it's not. We're arguing yeah. over the tiniest little fractions here. That's insane. Yeah. That's Both insane. of them so, okay. are at safe levels. I was like, okay, so pesticide here. I want like more about this. Do you have anything on 
pesticide residue in overall health and long-term health? Yeah. So that's what I was talking about at the beginning. Like pesticide residues are what you researchers will specifically look at. And that's just what's found on the crop itself or the food itself after it's grown to just determine the safe levels. The next mm -hmm. point that we were talking about beforehand that you left me a voice message about because you were, <laughs> I can't text. I got the voice message about was another argument because here's my favorite part. People that will die on the hill of certain health trends like veganism or organic versus inorganic, they'll pick it that everything. So let's talk about the next big thing. And people say from a moral standpoint, I care about the planet, right? The sustainability that organic farming has over non-organic. That's an argument I've heard a few times. Yeah. And another one, like for vegans, maybe people don't do it more for health reasons, but more just for the moral virtue of it, which is totally fine. Is there a moral virtue when it comes to sustainability and organic food practices? Yeah. So this is a very, very hot debate. It's not a complete yes or no, because in some instances, you could say that conventional is more sustainable, which most people would say, no, there's never an instance. So that's mm. where... It can get a bit surprising and sometimes organic is more sustainable. So let's dive deeper into that right there. So it is widely accepted that high crop yields. So a crop yield is just how many of the crops you produce per acre of land or how much mm -hmm. land you're using. And they are central to sustainable food security on a finite land basis. And this organic farming is aimed at minimizing global environmental impacts of farming. Regardless of that goal, it doesn't mean that it holds true, especially mm -hmm. when we are talking about this crop yield factor that a lot of people choose to ignore. So a systematic review and meta-analyses of 66 studies published in Nature compared the yields of organic and conventional farms globally. Well, mm -hmm. researchers found overall organic yields are typically lower than conventional yields, meaning you yeah. need more land to produce the same amount of food as conventional farms. Again, more land. Yeah. We each right. have an acre and you're organic. I'm non-organic. Yes. I'm going to get a lot more crop yes. out of my acre than you are. Okay. Yes. More land means you need more resources. More resources can also translates into how your environmental impact. So yeah. this also is a huge range. And that makes sense because you have small scale farms, you have large scale farms. You think about small farmers don't have as much money and resources as large scale farmers, yeah. but this can range from 5% lower organic yields to 13% to 34% lower yields. Dang. So as little as 5%, but upwards of a third yeah. of the yields depending on the crop. Wow. Yeah. So like under certain conditions, organic systems can nearly match conventional yields. However, this is assuming that these organic farmers have as much resources as yeah. a conventional farmer. You think about pro the production of corn. Corn is a huge corn. crop that brings Americans, the U.S. government, so much money. Corn, mm -hmm. soy, the big rice, bring in so much money. Organic farmers, organic soy crops, you're, you don't receive as much money from the government. It costs a lot more to start an organic soy farm than it would a conventional one. 
because that's not going to bring us in as much money. And that is a corrupt side of things. Uh But if you're matching resources and matching weather conditions, that's a huge factor as well. They can be similar, but still similar doesn't mean that conventional is typically worse. Mm -hmm. On average, organic takes more land to produce the same amount of crops. So this was also exhibited in, so Clark and Tillman in 2017, this was also a huge, huge meta-analysis, and they did organic conventional comparisons across 742 agricultural systems over 90 unique foods. So a system is when you're thinking about from farm all the way over to packaging, the resources it takes and the energy it takes to get it to the consumer, like all levels of the food chain. So this um, one went value change. Yeah. This one went really deep. Okay. Yeah. So they were measuring the relative impact ratio of organic to conventional agriculture. And I didn't pull out every single metric they used. There were a lot. I definitely recommend looking into it, but this was pretty dense. But the most significant findings were, again, replicating this land use factor. Organic systems, again, the system as a whole, consistently performed worse in terms of land use, regardless of the food type. To produce the same quantity of food, organic systems require a larger land area. And when it comes to agriculture, uh, production, resources, land use is the number one component that we use when it comes to our effect on the environment. So that plays the largest and most significant role. They had a great chart. I wish I could pull it up, but it outlined each component's role and in its effect on the environment and sustainability. Another one being energy use. So this one actually, industrial production of chemical inputs, such as fertilizers and pesticides, is an energy intensive process. And these are the synthetic chemicals. So this is conventional, requires a lot of energy. And the absence of synthetic chemical inputs in organic systems means that their energy use is predominantly lower than conventional. So Mm. this is the component where, you know what, organic can maybe prevail because they use less energy. However, Uh. energy inputs, it makes up such a small, small fraction of general energy use globally from agriculture. Uh, So it's not like... Even if everything was on the optimal side, it's not like it would really take a chunk. Yes. And the exception actually to this result was in vegetables for which energy use in organic systems tended to be higher. Just vegetables. (laughs) Just all the vegetables. And then when you talk about greenhouse gas emissions, which is another really important topic to talk about and understand, but greenhouse gas emission sources of organic and conventional systems actually tend to cancel each other out. So Hmm. conventional systems produce greenhouse gases through synthetic fertilizer production and application, which is largely balanced by the higher emissions of nitrous oxide from the organic farming, which is a strong greenhouse gas for from manure application. And that, so that's on the organic side. So they actually tend to cancel each other out. There isn't much difference there in terms of greenhouse gas emissions. And that's when that also people will turn to and ignore this prevailing. The crop yield is a really big issue that should be talked about. But again, they can have their pros and cons on both Yeah, but it doesn't seem like one is not like massively further away from the other is what it seems like Yeah, as far as sustainability goes. When it comes down to morally, I'm never anyone to – I was vegan for three years. I'm not talking about morals here, which is why I really wanted to bring in the research. It's not a matter of opinion and if you have your own morals and beliefs about 
that and about sustainability, like that's never anything I would ever try to change. I just wanted to bring in some information to help clear that up a little bit because it's important to have that why behind it. And I think just also if you're looking to reduce your environmental impact of your diet, what you, so this is on the consumer level, right? Mm -hmm. Consumers can do what you eat, the type of food that you eat, not whether it's organic or conventional can be much more influential than how it's produced again. So if you are thinking about eating, if the majority of your diet is ultra processed red meat, and that's the majority of what you buy, Okay, maybe thinking about the environmental impact there. Maybe should I decrease that? Again, we're not talking about health at all. Or should I look into different buying local meat, which again is more expensive. There's so many caveats either way you go when you talk about sustainability. And there just becomes so much gray area when you really think about it. Think about your food waste. How much food are you wasting if you're really trying to be sustainable? Don't think that buying organic has more of an impact than the amount of food you throw away at the end of the week at the consumer level, because it absolutely does not. Yeah. It offsets. Wow. Because we talk about this. All of our answers are usually as nuanced as possible, where there's hardly any absolutes, but it just seems like for the astounding amount of the population, eating organic versus non-organic doesn't really make sense for that many people. And especially the people who are generally worried about it, worry about the big rocks in your health. When it comes to first, are you eating enough fruits and vegetables on a daily basis regardless, which most people aren't not worried about the whole organic versus inorganic conversation. Yeah. And if you are the type of person that does have the means and the access to these organic foods, and maybe some of this resonated with you, maybe something you can do is look at, okay, what am I eating that's in season? Maybe Mm. I could put a little bit more energy into buying what's in season first But that's also cheaper. Buying in season is a lot cheaper. So looking at what's in season is a great option. This is so crazy. And this is for these extremists who just are completely anti-conventional foods. Like, do you grow, do you have a farm? Do you grow food in your backyard? That is the gold standard right there. And there are people that do that. And go single-handedly the best thing you could do for your health, the environment. If you're living off a farm, that's amazing. Most people don't do that and cannot do that. Very hypocritical to me. My dad grows pumpkins and (laughs) cucumbers. Yeah, I'll grow cucumbers and grapes like at my home, not in the middle of the city. Just like think about it for a second. Uh, He also has a massive backyard where he can do that. It's cool. He grows like peppers, tomatoes, corn, a lot of different things, which you can cook with throughout the year. You can't obviously cook for a whole family, but it's nice to add some of those ingredients in. But when he grows pumpkins, he like competitively grows pumpkins for size. He will grow like 200 plus pound pumpkins, which is the funniest thing in my entire, like we were, when we were kids, we'd have pumpkins that were bigger than our bodies. It was the funniest we didn't eat them, but we'd always do it. It was the coolest freaking thing in the neighborhood. We have these pumpkins that are freaking massive. It was just so funny that shout out to Paul coffee. But yeah, just feel like there is so much that you can do this organic conversation. It's like, there's so much that is just shit. I'm sorry. That's not even the best explanation when it comes to your health specifically. Again, everyone has the right to make their own decisions. I'm not telling you what to do. Hopefully this can inform some confusions or if you're going back and forth, this helps deepen your understanding, but no, you do not have to buy organic in order to be healthy. Eating organic foods does not mean you're healthier than the next person. And 
it is very much so if you do eat all organic. Also, check yourself if you're trying to brag about that. I know I mostly see people on the internet doing that. Think about who your audience, think about the general population for a second. Think about whether or not they could afford to eat all organic in the first place. This was even eye opening for me, and I thought I had a greater idea than most people. So, hopefully, listeners that made it to this point, it was as eye opening to you, and hopefully, it took a little stress off your plate. Yeah. If you've been worried about it. I like, I love. That it's eye-opening, but I also hate it because this is public knowledge. Like this is publicly <laughs> seriously available if you go to any of these organizations' websites. Okay. So all in all, should you be worried about eating organic? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> like the grocery store, I'll even sometimes I'm like, oh, organic's only X amount more. I'll buy these bananas today. This was very eye-opening to me, but yeah, it's public information. And oh my I think, god! And wait, side yeah. note: bananas, which I think are on the dirty dozen list, is but again, if it's like a couple cents more, and you want to do it, fine. Like regardless of whether it's doing anything or not, do you? But especially bananas that are in—they're protected from the outside environment. Don't eat the banana peel, but those are the better foods where you're not. Eating the outside yeah, like part. Orange banana. That is B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Mm-hmm. Bananas. I didn't even think about that. Above all else, if you want to take something away from this too, like recognize where you might be taken wrong from this halo effect and the horn. Yes. It's called the devil horn effect. I like the devil horn. But the horn effect. What assumptions are you drawing because of a specific title or labeling of a food or your health or a prior or anything else? What other aspects of your life is that transferring into? Because I think that's a very common and reoccurring theme that we've noticed on this podcast is people yeah. do draw and take that away a lot. So question yourself, where else are you finding that? But as always, y'all know where to find us on Instagram, fs.pod, Instagram and TikTok, and on YouTube, fitness stuff for normal people. Hopefully we will be having timestamps over there along with a couple other things coming very shortly in the first quarter of next year. We're excited for a lot of things changing up as always. And if you're a part of the premium FS research review down below is the link where you can sign up. That is again, five bucks for your first month through the first half of our new year's sales. So make sure to check that out. And if you are a premium member, make sure you take advantage of the premium only discounts with Merrick with examine.com and the more that we continually add. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. Any closing yeah. notes for those at home, Mariana? As with everything, be wary of any bold claim like something causing all these diseases and making you sick think about yourself and what you're doing on a daily basis when it comes to your health because yes diet is so 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 important but if you're going to focus on something that specific like whether or not your apple is organic or not maybe think about your alcohol consumption maybe think about how much you're sleeping maybe think about your stress first someone's doing a bag of coke on the weekend and 30 shots (laughs) they're like don't mess with my organic gala apples Mm -hmm. i did just realize this at the end of the if you've been watching this total coincidence that mariana also has like a halo around her head with the light behind her total coincidence she's not the problem but that's what we got (laughs) as always we love you let's close it up we'll talk to you next week Also, shout out after this episode, we are taking the following week off for the holidays. So you will be missing the episode that we'll be launching the week of Christmas, but not after we will push that back a day. So we will have a, our first week without a podcast release, which is interesting to know, but keep an eye out for that. And we will be back in the new year. Hopefully I'll celebrate responsibly and have a good time. No, not the kid.